Welcome to the Social Impact Level Up podcast. This podcast is made from the spaces I host every week on the Clubhouse app in the Social Impact Level Up Club. If you don't know me, I'm Wendy B, and I am a coach for socially conscious entrepreneurs. I help you develop your social impact mission, clarify your vision, and turn your ideas into action. Every week, I talk to leaders with a social impact mission about money mindset and manifestation. We also hold weekly spaces for our collective to join forces and change the world. In each episode, you'll hear me moderate the conversation with my two co-hosts, Rodrigo Bravo and Santiago Caceres. Through this podcast, we hope that you will learn, grow, and thrive with our collective. Now, here's a little bit more about this episode. In this episode, you'll hear us talk about four common abundance blockers. This is the first of two episodes where we talk about eight in total. Today, we'll discuss mindset, limiting beliefs, self-image, and emotions. These are four very common abundance blockers, and with this discussion, I hope that you'll have skills and ideas of how to overcome them. Today, we're talking about manifestation blockers, and so I usually do some sort of pre-reading for the rooms, mostly because a lot of this stuff is stuff that I'm working on as well, and I noticed that this weekend in particular, like with how much traffic and noise was going on with Black Friday, Small Business Saturday and Cyber Monday, it's just really hard to know if anybody's even seeing the things you're putting out. And of course, when you're like, oh, I didn't make any sales or oh, I didn't do this or like blah, 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 blah. It's just like messes with your mindset. And it, it can be a blocker in and of itself when you are thinking in those places. So in order to not think in those places, one of the things I was doing was like, let's like read up about what all is going on when you're trying to get to a certain place and you find that you're just coming up with a number of things that are, are blocking you. Also slash on the other side of that, if you are you know, having trouble getting to where you want to be, but you realize that you don't know what is blocking you, it might be that one of these things is the thing that's blocking you and you're just not able to identify it with words or you haven't quite settled on what exactly it is, but it just feels icky. And I know for me, I have to sit down and be a little bit more restorative in what I'm doing. I can't just keep pumping through, pushing out energy. I have to take somewhat of a break. And so for, I think at least half of the day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I didn't do work. And normally I would be working like 10, 10 plus hours a day, but instead I was really working more like five, six to seven hours a day, depending on the day. And it wasn't all in the same time block. It was four hours here, three hours there, that kind of thing. And it, when I would look at the end of the day, I'm like seven hours is still a complete work day for most people. So it's not like it's a, I didn't do work and I'm failing in my business. It's just that there was a mindset Thing there that was not connecting for me. And it was because I'm still so focused on outcomes versus process, right? And so I know that for me, that is a huge mindset shift that I'm having to constantly go through at this point in my business when I'm building it, because it's like, you're not always going to see an immediate outcome to things. You're not always going to see the thing you want to manifest happen tomorrow. And so you have to keep working, even though you don't have that positive reinforcement that sometimes you would get from being in like a nine to five job 
where you are getting even a review every quarter or whatever, are you looking at your stats and saying, oh, I met my numbers, I didn't meet my numbers. There's a lot of different reasons why when you're not seeing outcomes, sometimes you can get a little bit lost. And so one of the things that I was looking into is, well, beyond mindset things, which I know I'm working on all the time, what are the other things. And it was funny because it was all stuff that we've talked about in these rooms. It's not like any of us have not discussed these things in their totality by themselves in some situations in these rooms. But there's also just maybe not been a completer list than what we've come up with in this community for what exactly are these these blockers. And so I'm going to give you eight of them, but I only wanted to talk about four today because I wanted to break it into two rooms. So in this room, we'll talk about the first four. And then the next room, we'll talk about the, the second set of four. But I am going to give you the full list so you can just be thinking ahead. And also, if one of the ones from the other week comes up today, I'm not going to like be like, no, that's next week. Like, it's totally fine. We could talk about whatever we need to talk about. Common abundance blocks or blocks to what you're trying to manifest. Here's the eight. The first one is mindset, which I was just discussing. And limiting beliefs, self-image, emotions, habits, body and health, environment, and relationships. So I think all of these, like I said before, we've talked about in some capacity or they've been related to stories that we've shared. And the four that I want to focus on today are mindset, limiting beliefs, self-image, and emotions. And I'll go through and give you guys um, some examples for each of them of what, when we're talking about it, what what we're looking at. But I wanted to at least get through these four and then go on to the other four next week. So if anybody wants to join us from the listening lounge, I'll invite you up. And if you're not following the club, follow the club and join us in another week. We do this room every week. Eventually, I'll ping some more people in because the system is less. So, tell me. so yeah, so mindset, I think, is the first one to talk about that we usually talk about. We think we've done some work around fixed versus growth mindset, but I don't think I've done an entire room on it. I can't remember. And so fixed mindset, as I think I've explained before, is really where you're not looking at um, any kind of growing, changing, and you don't really think about challenges in a way that you learn from them, just fixed in this place. Growth mindset is where you're really thinking about, and I think I did this in the last room or one of the last rooms. How do you learn from those challenges? How do you move forward? How do you keep growing and learning and incorporating new things? And so there's different kind of patterns that you follow when you're in a fixed versus growth mindset. And the next one is limiting beliefs. And the article I was reading had some interesting things to say about all all three of the next ones, limiting beliefs, self-image, and emotions. So what they were saying about limiting beliefs is the whole thing on limiting beliefs is that it started with a protective mechanism from our subconscious mind that was left over from hunter-gatherer sort of situation when threats were different from the way they are today. But those limiting beliefs also now manifest themselves into keeping us into our comfort zone. So even though the limiting beliefs in our past history were probably helpful in getting us to where we are today, Now, what they're doing is actually being not helpful in some ways in getting us where we want to go tomorrow. And I think that is the part about limiting beliefs that really stuck out to me is, oh, yeah, you forget that some of these things that we think are not only because they're socially ingrained limiting beliefs, but also limiting beliefs that might have existed partially because of our evolutionary history as humans. And that I don't think we've talked about before. And the next one is self-image. 
how we see ourselves and also how we perceive our possibilities. So it's not just about your self-image, about you and what you look like and when you look in the mirror, what other people see when they're looking at you, but also the possibilities that you see for yourself and the possibility that you can make your dream come true. And if you can't really see that, that's it's difficult to manifest your way to your goal if you don't see yourself getting to your goal. And one of the things that they reminded us, which is I'm glad Lupita is in here, she talks about this a lot, is self-love is one of those ways to really improve your self-image so that you can see yourself and visualize yourself getting to your goal. And then the last one we'll talk about today is emotions, which a lot of us talked about my emotions in different ways before. The way I explain emotions to people is that we every day, each of us has our own mental health that we cycle through emotions and we don't always stay in emotions for a long time, but sometimes we can. And we all have these different emotions that we experience. We just don't always stop and go, oh, I'm feeling angry today or whatever. But you might know that you're you know, particularly not happy or you might have told somebody, oh, I'm really pissed off. But the anger might go away and it doesn't stay with you. So emotions are a little bit different from the mental health challenge. A mental health challenge is something that might not be quite a mental illness, but that is um, a little bit more pervasive than just an emotion. So it's something like we're talking about anxiety or depression or things like that. So you can have emotions can range in a pretty big range, and they also can lead to a mental health challenge. So what we're talking about in this context is just your kind of those temporary emotions that you experience throughout the day. And so there's a couple of emotions that they list in this article that can block your abundance. And they're like, there's obviously more, but definitely fear, envy, guilt, and sadness. And so those are four that they explicitly call out as being harmful to you actually reaching your vision of what you're trying to manifest. I think uh, it's really important to, to really find out what those blockers are. I, I was listening to you and when you were talking about, to me, I think a lot of times people don't do that enough. They, they can actually block a lot of the blessings that they get. I'm very guilty of that. I, it's funny and I'm going to go on a tangent here, but just follow me for a second. I remember going through my mental health journey, trying to uncompack things. And one of the things that I grew up was always constantly having a need for being appreciated, for being liked. And when I was going through my, my therapist basically said, it seems like your father didn't give you enough love. So therefore you tried to fill that with other people's love, but it's never the same thing. X, Y, blah, blah, blah. And so I developed some very negative uh, things with that. And so now I'm going through a phase where I know that I do need appreciate appreciation, but I also know that appreciation taken the wrong way or for the wrong reasons or for validation, you know, what that doesn't come from myself is an unhealthy thing for me. And so there's a balance there. And I think it's really critical when we find out what those balances are that we need. What are those blocks that we have? What is it that we want to manifest, but maybe we're sabotaging ourselves with that. And so a lot of times it can be our unwillingness to accept love. When people give us a compliment, when people say, hey man, great job. How do you take that compliment? How do you, how do you appreciate that somebody is being vulnerable enough to say, hey, I, I feel like you're great. You did a good job here, this and that, because it's not easy. I know that when we go around and we find our tribe and people are encouraging and this and that, but it's still tough. It's still tough to go out there and, and be vulnerable and say, hey, you did a great job. That can be a tough thing for some people. So I'll just end it at that. I think a lot of the times when we do that of blocking of blessings, quote unquote, 
we do ourselves a disservice. We got to find out why we're doing that or, or what's the reason behind it and, and really fix that because we really do need that. We need that support. We need the encouragement. We need folks to, to be there for us. We don't want to just go ahead and, and deny folks from giving us those, those blessings because that's really what it is. When somebody gives us an appreciation, when somebody thanks us, when they give us feedback, that's a uh, positive, but it's an appreciation and it's a blessing because it's just letting you know that you're doing a good job. Of course, I don't know how it is for y'all maybe, but for me, whenever I receive constructive feedback, I don't know why, but I, I tend to take that a little bit more, I guess, uh, I, I take that better. I feel like, okay, it's, it's funny. I, I will take something that somebody is maybe suggesting that I did something wrong or something and take it a little bit better than somebody just saying, oh man, you did a great job. You know? So anyway, that's what you were talking about that Nick brought me to that space right there. I think Frederick, sometimes it's because the constructive feedback, the person actually had to think about how to give it to you in a way that you'll listen to it or they just give it to you and you're like, okay, I'll take that as feed constructive feedback sometimes. But when people just give you other feedback, it's like, oh, that was great. It's, it seems superficial almost. Whereas in the other scenario, I think people have to actually give it some thought. And I think that's the, the difference that it feels different. Jessica, do you want to chime in? Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Roger. Right before Jessica chimes in, I think so. I, I think that might be it. It gives a feedback, a direct feedback, and lets you know that somebody was actually taking it in and was valuing what you said and actually values what you're saying, but wants you to somehow maybe increase the value by doing this, doing that, changing this, changing that. So I think maybe that you're, you're onto something with that. But it's just, I think it's just funny how a lot of folks and I've heard this before, and I'm, I'm very guilty of that myself. Somebody will say, for example, somebody will tell me like, hey, man, great job yesterday with XYZ. And I said, oh, yeah, no, the team did a great job doing this, doing that. And it's a deflection. It, it really is a deflection. Now, I have my own reasons for doing that. But sometimes I think there'll be times when people, myself included, we deflect too much. You know what I'm saying? And, and just saying, hey, thank you or being appreciative. It can go a long way in just accepting that blessing and making sure that we take that in. But I think you're right as well. When we get somebody that actually takes the time to talk to us and give us feedback and it's constructive or it's critical or whatever the case may be, it also lets us know, hey, they were listening. Hey, they actually took in the information and have some consideration for what I'm saying. So I think that's a great point that you made up right there, Wendy. Hey everyone. Yeah, I just came into the room. So I heard a little bit of what you guys were talking about. And I agree beyond self-love, I think is self-acceptance and understanding that not, we're not a hundred percent perfect and understanding that and truly valuing ourselves as a whole, I think is important beyond the, the self-love because many times people can hide behind self-love and and say, I'm gonna stay this way because I love myself and I'm gonna, this is the way I am. And so I think it's important that we go beyond the superficial self-love. It's the self-love, I love myself enough to push myself. I love myself enough to work on myself. I love myself enough to expect good, good creations out of myself. And then for me, I think that one of the biggest money blocks has been the worthy of receiving. I think as Latinos, or we want to overproduce, overgive, over, yeah, overgive and receive less. And so I'm 
you know, currently working on that and understanding that the whatever I put out has value because I get that feedback. And like how Rodrigo was talking about receiving good feedback, I think that I am blessed in having a community, especially on Instagram, that when I put something out, it is not just a, oh, good job, or, oh, I get, I resonate with that. It's a, It starts a conversation, really. It's, oh, I resonate because of this and this. It, and adds to, we need to find our tribe. We need to find our community, the people that are going to value our work and are going to value what we have to put out. Because I believe that when we when we find our people, that, inter, that kind of in, exchange of energy and, you know, exchange of mo money, I guess, it's going to be more effortless. It's not going to be this, I'm convincing you that I ha uh, that I am worthy, is I'm going to put out something and we're going to exchange because you see value in it. But that only comes with your people that resonate with your story, people that resonate with who you are as a person and who you speak to in some way or another. So I love the conversation. I'm all about, especially because I'm going through this self-exploration of what is blocking uh, me creating and me like being able to manifest money. And so I can't wait to hear what everyone. I think the thing that you said the most that's really interesting to me is the worthy part because that's something that resonated a lot when I first started looking into some of my spiritual practices with my shaman that I work with. I think a lot of you guys know I have a counselor shaman dude that I work with. Not very frequently. Every couple months I have a meeting with him. And this idea of not being worthy is just like the biggest block in my life ever. And trying to figure out when I'm feeling unworthy, what that's in, like how I, how it manifests itself into things that I don't want rather than what I do want. And it's a really interesting process to lean into understanding your self-worth and as part of your self-acceptance completely can understand where you're coming from, linking those things together and what you shared. Because for me, they definitely do go hand in hand with that self-love piece. And in some, some ways, when I'm trying to do the self-love work, it really comes down to the self-acceptance and the self-worthiness. And so I love what you shared, Lupita. And welcome. So we're talking today about things that block you from what you're trying to manifest in your vision. And I shared that there's some mindset things in there. There's limiting beliefs, self-image, and emotions that are part of some of the reading I was doing. And then we've added to that some pieces around self-love and self-acceptance and self-worthiness and giving and receiving constructive feedback. And also how do you not deflect, but actually receive? And then how do you connect with people in a way that's deeper and starts deeper conversations? So that's where we're at today. Do you have anything you want to add? Maybe I can add a little bit about the narratives that many of us, if you don't come from money or you don't come from families who had a, had a lot of money flowing around in ways that felt like surplus, how sometimes the stories around who has, who doesn't block us from embracing moments and opportunities that provide surplus for us. And I think I'm thinking for myself specifically, I remember when I went into an undergrad, so this was a long time ago, I was in undergrad and I was not afraid to be there. And the more I was there and the more comfortable I became, 
the more afraid I, and I stayed, I was, I stayed away at college. So I wasn't even home at all. I started to feel like if I were to truly embrace college life and this culture, then I would be saying something negative about the culture or my family or like where I came from as though they couldn't be, as they, as though they couldn't coexist and I couldn't find value in both and that they could be really different things or they could be very similar. But I remember like being really resistant to putting roots down in this college space. And I was blocking myself from this narrative that we couldn't coexist or these cultures couldn't coexist and both contribute in unique ways and one didn't take from the other. And so I guess then when I think about money, I think about sometimes these spaces where there are fewer people who share my cultural background and feeling like I'm letting go of something or I'm embracing something that doesn't exist within my own culture. So I'm thinking about that and some of the narratives and stories we tell ourselves about what it means to be or what it means to have. And maybe just on the low, like, are we accepting stories that are prohibiting us from really putting down roots or really owning it? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Oh my goodness, I love that a lot. And it's interesting the way you mention it too, because I, I think in college, that is a, a big time where you're exposed to people and things that are not the same as where you had come from for 18 years. And you get this explosion of, of mind space into different directions, whether it's intellectual stimulation or new friends or social opportunities, just so many things come together in that space. And it's very easy to feel othered. I can see how, depending on your experience and where you even chose to go to college or even how you got there, if you got there on a scholarship or you didn't or whatever, that there's a lot of different ways that you can feel othered. And there's a lot of different ways that you can also feel completely like you're part of the community or even make acquiesce of, of your own values or yourself in order to be part of a community at that time in your life. So I think there's, yeah, there's a lot there to unpack for sure. And I think even Rodrigo, and I and Michelle have had conversations about those years as well and how um, prominent they are in shaping some of the things, experiences that later shape your adulthood as you go into other experiences in the workforce and other parts of your life, like how those early experiences in college really do stay with you. And I think in some ways, those are the places where you shift and, and make or break your values, right? That's for me the foundation of who I am when I discovered the things that I discovered in college about myself. Those things have pretty much resonated true for the rest of the time that I've been who I am. What I've had to do is continue to refine and hone and understand that information. So does anybody want to jump in? Yeah, Wendy, I just wanted to add one thing that you mentioned about experiences. I had pretty much a, a diverse resume pretty much leading up to my days in the military. And it was just because of the situation I was in. But everywhere that I went, I took whatever experience I got at the previous place and I applied it. I found a way to apply it to my new experience, to my new workplace, whether it was negative or positive. I always say that you shouldn't let an, a learning experience, even if it's negative, go to waste. And one thing that I remember seeing from um, this gentleman that I worked with way back when, I would say 14 years ago now, I, I learned what not to do by seeing his actions. 
and he was on the borderline of unethical, illegal, <laughs> the stuff that he was running in that office and, and what he was doing with his own business. And I would just say, damn, that's a, definitely what I don't want to do because I don't want to have those headaches. So even though what he was doing didn't affect me personally, it didn't affect how I was carrying around, how I was dealing with my clients when I was, that was in the mortgage industry back then. I would just, I learned pretty much what not to do. And sure enough, when, you know, the chips fell and I saw everything that, how it transpired with him being investigated and all that good stuff, I'm like, damn, I'm glad I didn't pick up any of those bad habits because I had a foundation for, for good ethical and moral behavior from my parents. But I, I just said, damn, I'm glad I wasn't greedy. I'm glad I wasn't doing it, thinking that I was mature enough to realize at that time, at 23 years old, 22 years old, that action is essentially, it'll catch up with you. No matter what you do in life, whatever experience you might get, whether it's good or bad, don't let it go to waste. Use it for the positive. Let it be another building. I'm sorry, let it be another brick to your foundation so you can keep growing. And one thing that, I'm, that I've noticed now that I'm, I'm you know a little bit older now is that I'm just using all of the stuff that I gained, whether it was in the military, in my civilian world, in the civilian life, to carry on my practice, to, to let it grow, and to just use that, all those experiences to keep moving forward. And Ava said it earlier, I am one of those people that I don't, I tell my clients, I tell them, listen, just because you don't come from money, just because you don't lock yourself into that mindset that it's impossible, you know, whether if you give up now, think about the impact that's causing your generations. That means that somebody gave up on you years back. Don't do the same mistake. Break that cycle. Keep manifesting. Keep growing. And if you're not, if you if you won't see it in your lifetime, then make sure that your generations afterwards, your family members, your kids, your grandchildren, because I guarantee you. Somewhere along the line, somebody's going to say, you know what? I'm glad my grandpa, my grandfather did what he did because he set my, my dad up or my mom. And then in turn, they set it, they set it, set it up for me. So again, he, you were the change. Even though you didn't see it in yourself or your bank account, whatever it might be, whatever you define as happiness, at least you could say, I, I never owned my own home. But you know what? My son, my child owned their own home by the time they're 40. My grand, my grandchildren were homeowners at 30. That's just an example, but yeah. You know, it's interesting. I wasn't thinking about being othered, Wendy, but now that you say it, that's another lens on it, right? The lens that I was thinking of is like all the while I'm, when I'm in this experience, I'm noticing the no not the yes. Like I'm noticing what pulls me apart or what feels so different um, from my culture that I'm the one putting roadblocks in from the opportunity and, and not seeing opportunity as though I'm like leaving one area for another or I'm like truly leaving my neighborhood for this other neighborhood and making a preference just as an example. And I think that's the story that looms within many people in communities, but particularly I, I connect to it as somebody who grew up public assistance at times and didn't have a lot of surplus growing up. And so there was lots of stories about people who did have money and them being greedy or them being a certain kind of way. And so like I had to let go of that and really embrace some of the things that were positive not about having money, but like positive about college experience, college about learning about people 
and not being so judgmental and critical of people who had a different lifestyle than my, my Brooklyn-based examples that I grew up with. So like for me, it, when I think about manifestation, I, I'm often thinking about paying specific attention to the opportunities and the yeses and seeing bumpy roads as pathways, not as evidence of that I'm not supposed to be there or evidence to, that undermines or that means it means inherently a no. So like in terms of manifesting, I really think it's about embracing the yeses and, and spending less attention to the no's, which are always going to be there, but they're an option that you don't have to take all the time. Interesting that you leave it there. In my practice, what I've learned with manifesting and just I'm in my own mentorship with my elder, manifesting is like a term that's thrown around a lot now. And a lot of people don't realize like you can't manifest if you haven't learned self-mastery. And, and when I say that is, is like what like the manifestation blocker. So if you are a procrastinator, what about that? What about that situation do you need to work on? And when you can master like procrastination and you can master just self-sabotage, that's when you can start to see um, those. Oh, I see tied in here. That's when you can start to see those results. And it's not to say that you can't access manifestation, but a lot of times we access manifestation when we at some point realize that we're more self-aware to these issues. And so I think for me, one of the things that I've been working on, because I am like skilled at self-sabotage, is doing it even if I don't believe that something will come of it. Because I'm like, for instance, like I was writing the blog post and I'm like, who the hell is going to read my blog? But then I also realized like I have that same mentality when I do my rooms and when I talk about things and I'm like, who's going to listen to me talk about periods and womb health because who cares about that stuff? Like I, and then I think I realized, oh, wow, I really feel like I don't have a voice in a lot of things. And I think that in having a conversation with my mom, that kind of stemmed from some childhood trauma, but I realized that root belief that I have, it's not to say that like, we give it up that we're just like, Oh, yeah, like I'm cured now. No, I think it's something that you continuously work through and you master. And I think that's why I love shadow work so much is because it focuses on your triggers and you learn how to maneuver it. And it's like home court advantage almost, right? So like you learn how like you the courts and how where they dip and all that other stuff. And then you're able to optimize your game accordingly. And so I think that's really important is like when you master yourself, you're giving yourself that home court advantage when it comes to things like self-sabotage and procrastination because it's your weakness so that it'll make you not show up your 1000%. And when you do that, it's not to say that you don't struggle with it, but you realize that, oh, this is a limiting belief and this is how I can overcome that. And Etc. Cetera, et cetera. I love that you say that, Jessica, self-mastery, because I think that when we self-master, then we're able to really see the difference between when something is difficult because we're leveling up and we're reaching a different level and we're trying to get better at something. And then when something just doesn't resonate and it's not an opportunity that we should pursue. 
And that only comes by knowing ourselves and really working with that shadow self, like you said. It is like that moment of, wait, hold on. How do I navigate this? And so one of the things that I've been noticing about myself is I, since learning my human design and being a little bit more versed in what that looks like, I now have a little better understanding of when things are not sitting well with me and what that feels like for me and where that comes from. And I have a better understanding of how my body makes decisions that then my mind can follow and ultimately is the better way for me to make a decision. So each of us has a human design. If you don't know anything about it, feel free to send me a back channel and I'll send you some information on how to pull your chart, but you do need somebody to actually interpret it for you because it is not intuitive at all. But one of the things that it have, I've learned is that I have a defined sacral authority, which means that for the way that I make decisions, I have to actually wait until the emotion has passed and then make a decision. And the decision is based on what my intuition tells me, but I can't clearly hear the intuition until I've gotten out of the emotional space. So if I'm trying to make the decision while I'm still in the emotional space, it's not gonna work for me. If I try to make a decision too quickly and I don't wait a bit, that'll most likely be a decision that's made on impulse, which might not be the real decision I should have made. It might actually be the worst decision possible. And so I, for a long time, had been always thinking about then what are these emotions and how do I know when I've gone through the ride and is it like an hour sort of situation or a two-day sort of situation and there really isn't an answer because it's different for all of us it's also different depending on what emotion you're experiencing and how long it lasts and that kind of stuff but since emotions was part of this I think I want to share that even an understanding yourself with tools like astrology or human design or whatever you still have to do the work, like Jessica and Levita are saying, of understanding yourself and understanding what it looks like for you. Because people can tell you, oh, here's a, a roadmap, here's a shortcut, here's a whatever, and give you tools and give you information, and you'll take it and try to apply it. But the problem is that when you're trying to apply it, if you really don't know yourself, it becomes less applicable and more just like a generalized astrology horoscope sort of situation in the back of a newspaper <laughs> where you're like, oh, thank you, Chinese fortune cookie for this information. But really what you are trying to look for is how does that translate into your life? So with human design and for me, in learning it and learning how to read charts, it's really translated more into me understanding how I relate with other people and how I can give them my energy and in a way that they're going to be able to receive it better. And I think that has been the important connection in terms of business of how to relate to people with the energy that I have available. Cause I don't have infinite energy. It's like none of us do, but I have to also understand that means that when I'm having certain emotions, say like an emotion about a contract with a client, I shouldn't be making decisions when I'm in the emotional space. I should wait a minute and then respond to whatever email, blah, 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 that came forward because I might be making a decision that isn't really truly based on what I want when I'm in that emotional space. I wanted to say that I too am in my, I think, what did you say? It's like, I'm not big on human design. And when I say not big, I'm not well-versed, but I have the same thing where I can't, I always wait for the emotions to subside before I make a decision. I've always been that way, even when I was like a little kid. Um, and it's actually interesting 
that yeah my child kicked me out of the room shit shut up mom no i'm just kidding but even as a parent i pulled up my charts like the my, the astrological charts for my kids because it's a form of conscious parenting so that i know how i can respond to them even in my own self and my own ticks and whatnot because they're going to respond differently when i and more aware of them because I'm aware of myself. I've also learned that's how I can approach business because the way that astrological charts work is like everything sits in a different house. And so certain things we thrive better in when we have an understanding of it. It's starting a business. It's basically like an Ikea manual. It doesn't make sense if you don't read it through. <laughs> so for me, I think having that understanding, I had somebody break down a human design chart and I learned that about myself too. And I was like, oh, that's interesting because I, I thought I was weird because I everybody around me, like my mom, my best friend, they all act on emotion and I'm the opposite. I'm like, I'm gonna wait. <laughs> I'm gonna make sure I'm not like going crazy because I don't wanna regret my decision because I was acting on emotion, which, has worked out well for me but also that goes hand in hand with the fact that i've been exploring what things make me tick and what things make me thrive and it's funny you say that because i'm the complete opposite i feel like the best decisions or the best times that i've created great things in my life have been out of something that just feels like a fire inside me and I just do it because and now that I now that you're talking about that it is something that I've been working on because I can be a little too impulsive and uh, as a businesswoman as a parent and as just trying to figure myself out is not the greatest especially if I'm trying to do something that needs like really a good head on my shoulders I need to what's it called <laughs> think things yeah, and so it's interesting when you, and, and it looks like they just sent you a message, we should totally do your chart. It's not everyone processes their energy in the same way. And so what human design, one of the things that helps you understand is when you're in the balanced expression of yourself or when you're imbalanced. And it's a little different from the balanced imbalanced chakra in that you're using your energy in an imbalanced way. So it's not that the energy flowing through you is imbalanced, which is a slight difference. It's that you are, the way that you're using your energy is not in the most productive balanced way that it could be. And so for some of your traits, they're actually dictated in human design, kind of explains them in these, they're called gates and channels. And sometimes in those gates, depending on how you have it expressed, you might actually over-express that trait. So you might be over-compulsive when you're making decisions and make decisions rationally or irrationally in, in the emotional state. Or you might be someone who needs emotion in order to tell you if that's the right thing or not. And in your balanced state, you might actually be a type of person who should be making decisions in an emotional state because that's how you for sure know if that resonates for you or not. So Lupita, depending on who you are and how you're made up, that you can oscillate between different type, different presentations of a trait. And that could be why sometimes it works for you and sometimes. I love that. Balanced and imbalanced emotion. 
and, and it makes sense. Just quickly, a little story. I went to a big media company and I presented my story and they were all hyped. They were like, we're going to do this and this for your story. As soon as I met all the, the head people and whatnot, and it, I felt like it went great. All of a sudden, I felt like this huge headache like migraine it was just like pulsing and then something in my heart was like oh my god something doesn't sit right here sure enough it did not come through and so i'm learning how to listen to myself and listen to my body and what my body is trying to say my intuition so i love that balanced and imbalanced emotion yeah yeah and it's all about in at least in the human design sense about your energy centers and where you're meant to be putting your energy in this lifetime to be the highest expression of yourself and i think if you want to connect that back to our discussion today the whole point of uh, manifesting and doing all this stuff is because ultimately you're going to be the highest version of yourself and vibrating at a level that is going to continually attract the things you're trying to attract so it all just worked together as one big complex and sometimes not clear system of things. But there's so many different tools out there that you can use and access and resources and things to read that you can make this stuff work for you the way that you need to and your belief system for what it is that you're trying to do. And I think that's one of the biggest messages that I've been trying to give people is like this stuff isn't always about oh, that's for the woo-woo people and the woo-woo people are going to manifest what they want and I'm going to continue to sit here and do what I'm doing. And that's not really, it's if you are working towards finding your purpose and you are working towards serving the most people that you're supposed to serve in the way you're supposed to serve them, that is the road on how you get to your vision. But you also along the way can choose to make these investments in yourself to help yourself learn how to do that more efficiently, more quickly, and to really um, be clear on what it is that you're trying to manifest. And I think that is one of the things that people are not always doing is stopping and saying, hey, do I have the clarity I need to move forward? which is some of the work that Jessica and I did. <laughs> it's like, hey, how do I make sure that I'm moving in a direction, getting past all these barriers are the right barriers, and I'm doing the work with the right resources and tools to get past them. Now that you've joined our community by listening to this podcast episode, I want to welcome you to participate in a conversation with our collective very soon. If you're not on the Clubhouse app, you can connect to me on any social media platform as Wendy Veloz, V-E-L-O-Z. I'd like to thank everyone in our community who participated in this episode, and especially my partners in crime, Santiago and Rodrigo. Until next episode, keep changing the world.